you're sufficient. God, you're enough. Your grace is sufficient. Your love is sufficient. Your forgiveness is sufficient. Or sometimes we feel like we have to have this wagon of stuff, this this box of stuff that we, we can refer back to for a response. We can refer back to for a way to um, kind of talk to you. And Lord, what you're saying is just, just let it go. Just come to this altar and let go of everything else that you feel as though you need to bring with you. sitting there with your arms open wide Lord asking for us to simply be willing so Father I thank you for what you're doing God I pray that you would continue to do what you're doing and do it in a mighty way Lord do it in a mighty way let your spirit continue to flow through this place Everybody said, amen. You guys are free to sit down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, thank you for weathering the weather, <laughs> the snow, and coming and hanging out with us. You could have gone anywhere. You could have stayed home. You could have turned on the, the, the kettle, whatever, got the hot chocolate going, and had your own personal Sunday morning, but there's something to the fact that you guys showed up. I just really appreciate it, because when it snows, whether there's, you know, ailments or things that stop people from fellowshipping, the fact that you're here, I'm not saying that, oh, you guys are so much better than everyone else. I'm not saying that, but I am saying, man, thank you, because even me, I looked outside this morning and was like, oh, I just want to lay in bed. I don't want to do anything. Um, there's just something about snow. You just want to pop on the movies. But you guys are here, and guess what? You're here. It's weird to say it that way, but you're here, and you're here. Let your heart be here. Let your mind be here. Your body's here. You may have tried to will yourself to be here this morning, but see, the reason why I say that, and I, and I try to open up every message with something that's a little bit personal to this specific group, is that we're here because there's something on the other side. We're here because there's something to push through. Um, and we get to do it together this morning. We do. Um, what that pushing through, what the thing that we're pushing through is, to be honest with you, I don't necessarily know if I know what that is. Because this morning at about 2.30, um, the Lord just woke me up. And it was heavy. It's been heavy. I've been asking people all morning, hey, just pray. Can you just pray? Because it's spiritual warfare-minded-esque-ish-ism.com, uh, however you want to say that. <laughs> but it's of the spirit of darkness. And somebody made a statement to me this morning as I was asking him to pray for me. And he said, well, the enemy doesn't care what you're doing when you're doing the wrong thing. Enemy ain't going to mess with you when you're doing the wrong thing. But the moment we decide, the moment we choose, because he's given us free will, to step into this calling, to step into this exact representation of who Christ is, man, he's, he just perks his head up. Now, we don't want to give the enemy too much um, attention. 
Because what we want to do is spend all of our time being the body of Christ. Not trying to be the body of Christ. We want to spend all our time being the bride of Christ. Not trying to be the bride of Christ. Do you guys hear me when I say that? Big difference between the two. Big difference. Have you ever seen a young child like, I'm sure you have because we've got plenty of families in here with young child, young children. You ask a kid to do something and they just, mm, they just don't want to do it. And as they're doing it because you ask them to do it, it's like this just painful thing on their face, right? <laughs> painful thing. And all you ask them to do is like, hey, pick up your shoe. You're like, oh, I can't reach the shoe. It's right there. <laughs> Why are we like that when it comes to being the body of Christ? Man, it's just so hard and I can't. And I'm, there's just so many things. See, it's not supposed to be that way. It really isn't. Why is it that way, though? It's that way because there are things to push through. There are things to get on the other side of. And this morning, I want to um, appeal to you guys and ask you guys, let's do this together. Let's get on the other side of something. I don't know what that is for you, but I'm praying that what's coming out of my mouth, like, it will hit you right in the heartstring. Because what is coming out of my mouth is coming from Jesus. So in the, in, throughout the process of this message, please pray. Um, because when I can't sleep like that, it has nothing to do with me. It really doesn't. But being someone who's um, responsible for the proclamation of the word and, and, and dividing it up correctly and wanting to serve something up to you guys, I got to be a 10 out of 10, regardless of if I, if I got one hour of sleep or 10 hours of sleep. Um, so that's, that's, my, that's my heart. I want what comes across the pulpit today to be exactly what he wants you to hear. And then it helps us get on the other side of something. Um, if you've been here for any amount of time or if you're new, we're continuing in this chapter 12 of the book of Romans. We're preaching through the whole book of Romans. Um, and we're only midway through chapter 12 right now. We've been in it since the first of um, 2016. Uh, no, 17, excuse me. So it's been a little bit over a year with this. And in that time, there's been maybe a couple Sundays where I've gotten up here and I know exactly what I want to say. I know exactly how I want to say it. And the Lord says, let's just move that to the side and I want what I want to come. And usually in the week, I spend time reading. I spend time studying. And I've said this to you guys before. This isn't a new thing that you've heard. That he can just take whatever I'm about to say and tip it upside down. And here, let me give you a different message. Um, this is different than that, I think. Because I believe there's some things that he wants me to say to you this morning that are actually different than first service. A message that's different than what I preached first service. Um, and it, it, it comes on the coattails of phrase that was brought either last week or the week before, it slips my mind on the time frame. But it's this word about personal revival. You guys remember, some of you guys who have been in here, me speaking about personal revival? Romans chapter 12 is basically the Lord saying, okay, now you know who I am. I've, I've taken 11 chapters and spoken through Paul to the church at Romans saying, you know who I am, you know what I do, you know how I do it, you know what I've done for you. I've justified you, sanctified you, set you apart, and you're 
purpose is to glorify me. And I want you to know that I'm sovereign. I'm God. I'm not going to forget about anybody. I'm going to get everyone. He says, therefore, in the beginning of chapter 12, this therefore is there for a reason. Saying, you know now. All right, what is your life going to look like after this? What is your life going to look like when you walk out of the front door? What is your life going to look like when you close the door and nobody's watching? See, that one right there is the one that gets me. Because in the church, we can walk through that front door and you could look exactly like the perfect Christian. I don't even know what wearing perfect Christian clothes are, but I was about to comment on that. You're like, you got your perfect Christian shirt on, your perfect Christian pants on, and I'm like, I don't even know what that looks like. We got people in here in suits. We also got people here in sweats. Amen. Come as you are. But we can look like a perfect Christian. But when we close the door, nobody sees what we're doing. At that moment, what are we saying? At that moment, what is happening in here? Is it us or is it him? Now this word, personal revival. Revival can't come to this city unless it happens in the heart of every individual. But you know where personal revival starts? You know where revival starts, period? It starts with a word that begins with an R, repentance. Man, it starts right there. Repenting from things that are of sinful nature. Let's just be honest. Personal revival, being able to walk outside of your room and, and be confident in the fact that, man, I'm a good representation of who Christ is because of the quiet place. Because when the door is closed, I know that I'm living a righteous life according to him. Not righteousness according to the law or righteousness according to self. Righteousness according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when we walk outside of the door, we have confidence enough that we have enough fear of the Lord in our heart. There's, there's scripture that says in Proverbs, um, the fear of the Lord, confidence is the, how do I say this? <laughs> I, I should get to the scripture, but the, the beginning of knowledge for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, there it is right there. There's also scripture that says that confidence starts with the fear of the Lord as well. You can walk outside of your room knowing that you fear him in front of people. You also fear him when nobody's looking and nobody's going to say what you're doing is wrong. Are you, with, are you with me this morning? So when it comes to this personal revival, this is something that is stirring in the body of Eases. The last two weeks, ladies and gentlemen, has been deep in the spirit. This altar has been filled. Filled. Because we're getting into something that we can't just talk about anymore. We're getting into something that we can't just be a good picture of. What are pictures on walls? They don't move, right? It's a good picture. We can look at it. We get a lot from the picture. But the picture, people in the picture, they don't jump off the picture and run around the room and then jump back in the picture. That's weird. If that happened, I would run out of the room. I'd be gone. Instead of being a picture, are we a in motion uh, representation? Does that make sense this morning? Personal revival, that which is being stirred up 
Aeneas' Christ Fellowship is coming by way of no longer just being a picture of love, but ladies and gentlemen, living it out. I'm talking about living it out. I'm going to say it again. Living it out. What does living it out look like? Last week, we looked at this title, Inconceivable Love, right? These scriptures, verse 12, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 14 through the end of the chapter. That's our text, but we were only to, able to break off the first two scriptures. Now, let me read these, and then I'm going to kind of continue with this introduction a little bit, and then we're going to jump into the text and the scripture for today. But this is 14 through 21. It says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own re revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's so much about these scriptures that make zero sense whatsoever. That last week, we were, only be able to, we were only able to get into verses 14 and 15, saying, bless those who curse you. I tell you what, that is the most unnatural thing for us as individuals. It is. Because somebody picks up a rock, throws it at me, number one, I'm going to dodge it, but number two, I'm going to pick up a rock and throw it back. Probably a bigger one. That's our nature. For whatever reason, it's our fleshly nature to want to protect ourselves from those who are trying to hurt us or retaliate back against that. And I know at some point in everybody's life in here, that has happened. But what makes this type of love inconceivable, it doesn't make sense, is when you look at what this word bless means in the Greek. Eu legos, eu legas. EU, it's two words smashed together, meaning prosperity and favor. And legos meaning to speak. So what, a, what the scripture is saying to us is here is how I want you to present the gospel. I want you to present Christ in a way that no matter what comes across the table to you, that you are speaking prosperity into somebody else's life. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Now, when I ask another 38 times today if it makes sense, because for whatever reason, I always say that, say amen, because it's like encouraging. I need people to talk back to me, you know, in a loving way. Please talk back in a loving way. When I say, hey, 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 when I say it makes sense, like, thank you for nodding your head. But you know what I hope and pray for you? You walk out of this room and it makes sense. That the making sense goes from your mind to your feet. People say sometimes that they understand. You're in a conversation with somebody and there might have been a little bit of rub or friction and you get on the same page and you say to someone, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yes. 
I understand what you're saying. Understanding, ladies and gentlemen, is doing. You can say it all you want. And that's good. Please don't stop saying it. But let your conduct coincide with your words. Let your conduct run parallel with your words. Sameness. Does that make sense this morning? Hey, got it, right? The next part of the scripture that we looked at last week, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I've been using this phrase the past couple weeks of put your money where your mouth is. Saying this, if Jesus is legitimately in you because of a choice that you made to accept him into your life as your Lord and personal Savior, then simply let the God of the universe who made this world out of nothing come out of you. Put your money where your mouth is. Be, a, how do I say this, a, a real follower of Christ. Now, there are, there are moments in my life where I can put my hand up and say, look, I have not put my money where my mouth is because my flesh has said to me, throw a rock back. My flesh has said to me, why don't you insulate yourself so that you don't ever have to feel that pain again? Anybody in here ever done that before? Yeah. One or two? Feel you. Everyone else, teach me your ways. It just must be perfect. <laughs> Insulating yourself. If you were here last week's second service, Peaches or Valerie, her nickname is Peaches, gets up here and gives us a word. Knocked a hole in a lot of us. She talked about this word resentment. But how she laid this out was so powerful. She said, sometimes we can build for ourselves a safe haven where we insulate ourselves from the world, from hurt, from jumping into uh, anything that looks like it might hurt us. We build ourselves a little safe box. She says, that's not a safe haven. That's a prison. And we hold on to certain things and protect ourselves from things and end up imprisoning ourselves from being the bride of Christ. Are you with me today? The message for this morning is a continuation of almost the same message from last week. Where the rubber meets the road, we saw in Matthew 5, 43 through 48. And it says, what is it to a man who loves those who love him? That's good. Keep doing it. All right. Don't ever stop. But don't even the tax collectors do that. Yes. It's easy for us to love each other because, hey, we're of the same mind, which we'll read here and jump into here in a little bit. But what makes the gospel so potent, ladies and gentlemen, us being a representation of this, is in the middle of a, a situation that would warrant a natural response. He's saying, I need you to be supernatural. I need it to be something that doesn't make sense to the natural. Because in the supernatural, when you do it Christ's way, it portrays something that's attractive to somebody who's dying. Does that make sense? People are dying. And what we are doing within the church is being a little bit of a contributor to that dying. And I'm saying, no more. I hope that you say, no more. Yes. From, 
verses 1 and 2, excuse me, let's just say this. All of chapter 12 is about dedicated service. You know what the Lord did when he came to this earth to show us that he loved us? What did he say? He came to serve. That's what he did. That was a part of how he loved. So we can take that word serve, service, and exchange it with love because of Christ's conduct on this earth. That's the only reason I can say that. That in everything that he did, he not only served people, but he loved them. He told them how to do it, and then he gave them a, a, a standard on how. He gave them a picture on, here's how I want you to put one foot in front of the other and walk in this love. Are you with me this morning? That's what Romans 12 is. Verses 1 and 2 is dedicated service to God. My heart towards him. Present my body as a living sacrifice. Be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Verses 3 to 13 is dedicated service. Love to one another. Don't think too highly of yourself. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Don't let love, excuse me, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't be a professional pretender. Just come as you are and let it come out. Don't be a professional pretender. And then verses 14 through 21, which we just got done reading, has the flavor of how we're supposed to be dedicated, um, have dedicated service and love towards one another, but also dedicated service and love to those who are outside of these walls right now. Evangelism. Filling these seats. How are we going to do that? By not insulating ourselves from pain. By not keeping ourselves in a prison. Because we're holding on to something. That is what I feel as though the Lord is going to till this morning. Holding on to something that even as these words come out of my mouth, it's like a, it's like a wall. You say, yeah, Pastor Square, but... I don't know how to operate outside of this. In fact, maybe I've never operated outside of this. My question for you this morning is, are you willing to go deeper today? We were going to sing a song called Oceans. And in the, the bridge of this song, it says, take me deeper into deeper water. Anybody ever been in a pool where you can barely touch the bottom? Some of you tall people don't answer. But us short people, I'm sure y'all can relate, you can kind of barely get your face above the, the top of that water, whether you were young or if it was last week, maybe we need to talk. But that's a scary moment. The Lord is asking, are you willing to go past the scary moment? Are you willing to go past and into deeper waters where I am already there? Are you willing to push through because I'm already on the other side? Are you willing to jump over the thing that is stopping you from even receiving the word that is coming out of my mouth today to be able to get on the other side where I'm at and the perfect representation of who Christ is lies over there? Are you willing this morning? Are you willing? We're going to be looking at verses 16, 17, and 18, but I don't know if I'll get past verse 16 this morning. I want to, but the Lord is kind of saying, look, buddy, you might have you gone too fast first service. So we'll see what the Lord wants to, to pull out here. You guys have heard me say before that you cannot have the word without the spirit. And you can't have the spirit without the word of God. 
thank God for that. The reason being, if you have just too much of the word, you go around smacking people in the face with the Bible saying, here's what God said, here's what God said, here's the standard, here's what it is, here's what it is. If you have too much of the spirit, I could knock my Bible off onto the floor and then come up with some kind of spiritual interpretation as to how the pages decided to lay on the ground. You just over-spiritualize everything <laughs> with no direction, no guide. You have to have just as much as one as you do as the other. But that doesn't mean pull back one to the level of the other. I'm going to challenge you guys to speed up to the level of the, the deeper of the two. Does that make sense when I say that? Dive fully. Go deeper in the word and go deeper in the spirit this morning. Go deeper in the word when you walk out of here this week and go deeper in the spirit trying to hear what the Lord is saying when you walk out of here. That principle, I want to say this. I believe that it's the same with not only what God said in the Word of God, but also with how He did it. Catch me on that one. Not only did He tell us how to do it, but then He came and lived a life that showed us, here's how I want you to walk out what I told you what to do. We get through the entire book of uh, 11 chapters of, uh, of, uh, of Romans, we get to chapter 12 and He says, here's, here's how you're supposed to live. Okay, Lord. Thanks. This is a crazy list. How am I ever going to attain to this? And he says, well, look at my life. I already showed you. Look at how I did it. It's in there. Just go read it. Are you with me this morning? Not only is there inconceivable love, love that doesn't make sense, but there's, any, there's an inconceivable conduct that he's asking us to step into. It's one that doesn't make sense, but it's one that brings people to Christ. It's one that adds seats to the kingdom and doesn't rearrange them. That is, that is what I am after. Let's bring more people in here who need Jesus. Is there anybody of that mind in here today? Come on now. Inconceivable love and inconceivable conduct. We have to look at what he says. And we also have to look at how and what he does with what he says. There is a, a scripture that was spoken at our um, leadership retreat this weekend, which was phenomenal. I want you guys to know. Beck asked you guys to pray about that last week before we went up this Friday and Saturday. And these times, ladies and gentlemen, are so deep. Because everyone in the room is seeking the Lord's heart. I love those times, but I also know those times can happen on a Sunday morning. Because everyone in this room is seeking the Lord's heart. Everybody. That comes out of Hebrews 11.6. 16. Is it 11.6? 11.6. And it says that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Sometimes y'all might come in here feeling like you got 100 pounds of sin on you. And man, you did something and it's just like, wow, Lord, I can't hear you. I, I do not know where you are. I'm, I'm searching for you, but I can't find you because I feel as though my sin is too big. Guess what? There's no sin that can outdo God. None whatsoever. So I want you to know right now, if you're feeling poor pitiful about yourself a little bit because of some things that you did, okay, that's okay. But guess what? God is way bigger than that. 
You can't outdo him in the things that you do wrong. You can't. Hallelujah. Thank God. But he's a rewarder of those who seek him. This morning, collectively, can we go down that road? On an individual level, can we go down that road? So we can be rewarded? I tell you what, I'm performance-minded. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I'm looking for that reward. <laughs> I think that's a good prize to be, to be won. Amen? So not only do we have this inconceivable love that we've looked at from verse 1 all the way up into verse 14, 15, but we also have an inconceivable conduct, a way in which he's asking us to live, to bless one another, to weep with one another. And then he says this. He says, be of the same mind. I want to uh, uh, read, continue the scripture. Be of the same mind. Here we go. Towards one another. Be of the same mind from Alex to Sarah, from Sarah to Beck, from Beck to Luke, from Luke to Lindsay. Be of the same mind. Why is that such a hard thing to do in the church today? Why is it such a hard thing for the Holy Spirit to tell Jake one thing or to believe that the Holy Spirit's going to tell Jake and I the same thing? Let me, let me say it like that. He's the same God who does not speak out of both sides of his mouth. So what this is communicating to us is, guys, this isn't a suggestion. He's telling us, what I want you to do is I want you to be of the same mind when it comes to how you act and how you love somebody. But here's a little bit more about this verse. You guys know I like to sometimes bring out the Greek and the content and context of what's being said in a scripture because the English language can really mess things up. But the part of speech that this word same is, in the Greek language, the, the, the Greek word for this is otas. It's spelled auto with an S on the end, but it's pronounced otas. And it means his, hers, he, she, it, the same. And that part of speech is a pronoun. And if you don't know what a pronoun is, here's what it is. It's a word that can function by itself as a noun phrase. And it also refers to the participants. That's a big one. It refers to the participants in the statement. Now, who might you think the participants are within this statement? Be of the same mind towards one another, according to one another? <laughs> Man, we'll be all over the place. To be honest with you, that's a picture of how we think today in some areas of the church, not all areas. Be of the same mind, his mind, her mind, towards one another. Those are those participants. But what do we fail to do sometimes? Who's the third participant that we, we sometimes leave on the outside? <laughs> yeah. It's not a hard one to answer that one. Jesus Christ. And here is a cross-reference, a scripture that speaks that to us. And it's in Romans 15. So a couple chapters over. Verse 5. And it says this. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, here we go, according to Jesus Christ. Now see, ladies and gentlemen, like the part that, that, that I'm really 
passionate about right now when it comes to reading the word and looking at this stuff is we know this. Some of us, we know this. Yeah, we're supposed to be like Jesus Christ. We're supposed to put on Christ, be a billboard. First of all, billboards don't move, okay? Don't be a billboard for Christ. Be an actual person who jumps off the billboard and goes and does something, okay? But we're supposed to be all that. We say all these things that we think that we know, and then we get into a situation where it's, it's just, there's friction. And all of a sudden, we're not of the same mind according to Jesus Christ. We're of the same mind according to what I think the word is saying how I think Jesus is acting, and that's not it. He never asked us for our opinion on Scripture. He said, let Scripture interpret Scripture. So, let's be of the same mind. Does that mean we agree on everything? No. But we can agree on who Christ is. We can agree on who Christ says we are. We can agree on who Christ says he is. We can agree on Christ and how he does things. We can agree on what Christ has said. I don't have to agree with what you do from Sunday to Sunday. But man, let's agree on what's in us. Jesus, I mean, do you feel me this morning? I'm using all of them. Are you checking with me? Are you feeling with me? Are you on the same page? All of it. Like I said, you, you, you uh, second hour people are more head nodders than you are vocal. So I just have to switch gears when it goes from first to second service. Are you guys with me this morning? This is, again, these aren't suggestions. The Lord is saying, I need you to be of this mind. I need you to be of this conduct. Because when we are not, we misrepresent the kingdom. We misrepresent the greatest thing that has ever been given to mankind. Why? Let's be a part of the solution rather than the problem. Amen? What is the solution? your money where your mouth is and let what is in you come through you and out of you. So we get back to Romans 12. Being of the same mind towards one another. I'm just going to continue here. Do not be haughty in mind, which basically means don't have a mindset that vaults itself up above anybody else. Do not be high in your thinking or lofty in your thinking. But what comes after that is, is, is a but. But associate with the lowly. I believe this verse connects with rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Because if I have a mindset that what I'm going through is what I'm going through, and what you're going through is what you're going through, then how on earth are we ever supposed to have relationships with one another? It's so easy to have a relationship with somebody when it's all cake and candy and it's good and there's no friction whatsoever. But when y'all disagree, when y'all come to a place where there's, you know, a rub, is my situation my situation and yours is yours? So I'm not going to choose to cross the aisle and sit down with you and say, look, man, let me carry this burden with you. Sometimes you got to force your way into people's lives and say, I'm here. I'm not going to force you to take, uh, take anything that I give you. But I just want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm forcing my way in to say that if you need something, please call. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
it's very important that we don't have higher hierarchical hierarchy, whatever uh, thinking when it comes to each other. But this word associate in the Greek is this word. Sanapago. Uh, Sanapago. And it means to lead the way with or together. If you were all that you needed, you would be the only person on this earth. You know that? That'd be pretty lonely. But the reason why there's almost 8 billion of us is because of relationship. The Lord said, go be fruitful and multiply for a reason. So that there would be more than just you to deal with something. We also see the, the same sense of this word in, chap, uh, in verse 12. Uh, excuse me, no, verse 10, I'm sorry. After it says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Verse 10 says this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And then here we go, give preference. That word preference, if you look at it in the, in the Greek, talks about going before somebody else, being a leader in. And what's after that? It says, give preference to one another in honor. Meaning that I don't care what's going on in your life. I have no right to not honor you as an individual. I have no right to not honor you as a man that Christ has on his mind just as much as he has me on his mind. See, that's what changes people's lives. That you're not so self-minded, but you're so Christ-minded that you become others-minded and become selfless and more Christ-like. Are you with me today? Go before to honor. Associate with the lowly. This is not a uh, sympathy statement. That, oh, I just feel bad for you because you don't have what I have. That's not it. That's the get away from the haughty mindset. Get away from that. But go and lead the way with or together. Let's associate with each other. Let's lead the way together in how to walk like Christ. To have this inconceivable conduct, this conduct that doesn't make sense, but this conduct that gets the attention of the lost. It gets the attention of somebody who is in the flesh, brings them out of the flesh, puts them in the spirit. Amen? We also see this in Proverbs 3, 7. You want to learn how not to be haughty in mind? How to not have a mindset that is above thinking that you are above other people? Proverbs 3, 7. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Because the next part of the scripture in 12, uh, seven, uh, end of 16, it says, do not be wise in your own estimation. But we have this as a cross-reference saying, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. There's a lot that comes from fearing God. I want to say everything comes from fearing him. You want to learn how not to put your mindset above somebody else? You don't fear God in that place, if you do. You think you got a little bit more than someone else, and that makes you a little bit more important to the kingdom than someone else? Guess what? You don't fear God in that area. But if you want to have a mindset that is of Christ, that is of uh, righteousness, start with fearing the Lord. The beginning of knowledge starts there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of confidence. There's a couple other ones. 
but a lot comes from this. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Sometimes I think I'm very wise in my own estimation. And I'll tell you what, I end up hurting people. I end up destroying people. If I look, at, look back at the 14 years I've been in ministry, in the wake of bodies that are like floating in the ground, or in the water, from things that I've done, being wise in my own estimation, man, that hurts. I don't want to do that anymore. Relationships that could still be there but aren't because of the insulation, that's being wise in my own estimation. But when I fear the Lord and I know he's already on the other side of the thing that he's asking me to push through, he's already in the water that is so deep that I can't keep my head above, he's already there. There's a fear, a reverence that causes me to respect him as God. And know that he's already there and he has it already taken care of. Therefore, I don't have to rest on my own estimation. Um, because we're in Proverbs, and if you have your, if you have your, uh, your word open there. Proverbs 3, um, 5 and 6 speak to this as well as I get there. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And then verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Acknowledge him in everything that you do. This isn't natural, but it's supernatural. It's inconceivable. It doesn't make sense for a reason because it raises itself up against the flesh in us. But verse 17 is kind of like the primer for next week because of what is spoken after verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. However, Respect what is right in the sight of all men. I believe there's some depth to this scripture right here. Obviously not having the eye for an eye mentality. You know, hand for hand or whatever. But when he says respect what is right in the sight of all men... Here's a, here's a comment from a commentary that I read. So just so you know, this isn't from me. Um, and I didn't do my due diligence and write down this guy's name, but I just want you to know I'm quoting somebody else. All right? Give honor where honor is due. Although we are in contrast with the world, we do not seek out contention. As long uh, Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Even though we claim Jesus in our life and therefore that puts us at war with the world, we don't seek out contention with people. I think that's a big deal. We also don't seek out contention between each other. We don't seek out contention between the believer. Because it's our nature to do so when we choose not to, it speaks something to somebody saying, you got something that I don't. And I want that. My nature is to be contentious with everybody. <laughs> but when Christ comes through you, you speak something that isn't you. Are you with me this morning? Amen. 
Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And I want to make a comment on this real quick. Do you know that all the problems in the world aren't yours? You know what Christ is trying to say here through Paul? He's saying, let it be my issue and not your issue. Just respect what is, just, just live the way I asked you to live. And the things that come up, I'll take care of them. I will take care of them. And what I need you to do is simply just be obedient to listen. That if I may need you in a part of the process, that you will step in in a way that is not only the way I would ask you to step in. It still communicates me. But you're being obedient in it. Does that make sense this morning? Respect what is right in the sight of man. Because the Lord wants to take care of it instead of us trying to take care of it. And then here, this verse, this is verse 18. Again, another springboard into basically the end of the chapter where Christ communicates his sovereignty over all situations. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You know what comes to mind when we read that, when I read that is this word forgiveness. Forgiving somebody who has hurt you is a hard thing. Man, that's a hard thing. But you know that forgiveness, and you've probably heard me say this or Beck say this before, it's not for you. Excuse me, it's not for them. It's for you. For you to be able to sit in a room and not be moved by something that somebody's done to you. So as far as it has to do with you, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You know that you have to be at peace with God and at peace with your conduct and at peace with how you are doing things in order for you to be at peace with all men. So when I say you can't have the word without um, the spirit and we can't have what God says without or what Christ says without what Christ does, this stepping into this... Um, being at peace with all men starts with us being at peace with God. Starts with us being at peace with our own conduct. With the way that we love. And how are we at peace with that? Well, we do it exactly how he asked us to do it. <laughs> and it manifests itself in a way that looks just like him. So you, get, hey, so you can put your head on the pillow at night and rest easy. Now what I did say in first service was this, that peace isn't necessarily a state of being as much as it is a person. Because who is the Prince of Peace? Christ. So if we look at it from that lens first, yes, peace can be a state of being. But if we understand him to be the Prince of Peace then that means when we ask for peace in a situation, we're asking for him to stand right next to us in it. Man, that's big. If I'm supposed to be at peace with all men, then that means that I'm supposed to bring Christ with me in every encounter with all men. And forgiveness becomes something that's easy. Because you're forgiving for the sake of your own heart rather than you know, really letting that person off the hook. Well, that person's not going to get off the hook. <laughs> Why don't you read verses uh, 20 through the end of the chapter? 
Lord is very clear about it. Let vengeance be mine. Let me be the one who repays. But as far as you, if somebody hits you in the face, give them your other cheek. Someone takes your coat, give them your shirt too. Because that doesn't make sense and it's not supposed to. But it will change a man's heart. Amen? Romans, I had this wrong um, last service, and it's actually wrong in your um, bulletin. It's not Romans 9, it's Romans 19. So I just forgot one little number there. Excuse me, 1419. Uh, Romans 1419. It says this. When it comes to this peace business. So then, here we go. We pursue the things which make for peace. And the building up of one another. As far as it depends on you. Pursue the things that are of peace. And not the things that are of contention. Pursue the things that build one another up. And not the things that tear each other down. That is something the Lord is asking us to put energy into. Pursue that. Pursue the Prince of Peace. But pursue peace. Pursue things that build each other up. That's deep. Yes. And then the last cross-reference you have in your bulletin is Mark 9, 50. If we can get that up there. Yes. So salt is good. I love salt, to be honest with you guys. I'll put it on anything. Like pancakes and ice cream. I'm just kidding. Not that. That's gross. I throw up. <laughs> but if salt, if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Scripture tells us that we are the salt of the earth. I'm asking you guys, when you come into a situation where Christ is needed, do you give Christ or do you give yourself? Because when you give yourself, you're not salty. You're not salting anything. But when you give that which is Jesus Christ coming through you, you become the salt of the earth. Salt is good, but if salt becomes unsalty, what will you make it salty with again? Have salt in yourself and be peace to one another. You pursue peace. You pursue that, what builds, that which builds each other up and not tears each other down. You pursue the Prince of Peace who is Christ. You bring that into the situation. You let that be the salt within you. Be at peace with one another. Amen this morning? Amen. Not only is Christ asking us to step into an inconceivable love that you see all throughout chapter 12, but he's saying, I want that love to manifest itself in a conduct that is just the same. The very last verse that I'm going to give you that is not in your bulletin, but I've preached past three weeks from a little bit of this verse is John 13, 34, and 35. There was to love each other even as he has, has loved us. Now, this is a verse that's within our discipleship um, track. This is one of five verses. And within that, we teach you guys how to disciple another person because that's what the Lord asks us to do. And we have some verbiage in there that's connected to this verse. And it goes like this. There's two C's in this sentence. 
It says he charges us to love and to everyday conduct that is just like his. He charges us to love. He says, this is something that I command you to do. Not to love like how you want to love. Not to all a cart it. All a cart Christianity. He charges us to love and to everyday, say it, conduct. Let me hear you say that. Everybody say conduct. Okay, what is that? That's behavior. That's what comes out of you. That is not just like he said. It's just like his in how he showed us how to live what he said. Does that make sense? You cannot have one without the other. He's going to tell us what to do. He's going to tell us how to do it. And then he's going to show us. He's not asking us to be like how he said. He's asking us to be him. That's possible. You're like, nobody can be Christ. Well, you're right. No one else is going to die on the cross for us. Nobody. His purpose was his purpose. That was his mantle to carry. No one else can do what he did. But what he's saying is, I am charging you to be just like me. And the way that that can happen is if you are willing to go deeper. I'm, I'm coming back to that. You put your money where your mouth is, and you're willing to go deeper with me. That's my charge for you today. You walk out of here, I hope the Lord's talking to you about going deeper. I hope the Lord's talking to you about getting up underneath the things that need to be plowed, plowing the fallowed ground so that he can plant something into this soil and watch it become something that you could never Imagine that it would be according to his standard. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's get ready to uh, close this morning and um, get, re- get prepared for our offering. As we uh, just kind of see what the Lord wants to do with the end of this. I started out this sermon talking about this personal revival. And an instance on a Sunday night where my dad stepped up to the microphone and let us, helped us understand that revival comes through repentance. The Lord wants to revive us from our own conduct to his conduct. But that's only going to happen by way of repentance. What's going to happen after that, you jump into Romans 12 too. You get transformed. You get rebuilt. He repents, so he knocks... We repent, so he knocks some things over. Then he's about the business of rebuilding the way that you think and how you think and what you think on. Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. And then he gives us the exercise of this. Being obedient to what he says and how he says to do it. That is something, ladies and gentlemen, I feel as though he wants for this body because of what he's been stirring up the past couple weeks. There might need to be some time this morning where you just simply get in front of the Lord and say, I repent. I don't even know what I'm repenting from. Or you get in front of him because there's something burning in your heart right now that says, man, I need to let that go. I need to stop building for myself a safe haven that is actually a prison. Let me just repent from this this morning. Don't miss out on that if the Lord is doing that in you. I'm I'm trying to come strong with this one, all right? Because this is what brings revival, repentance. And we need that, not only in us, but in this city. So I'm I'm, um, I'm asking you guys to to walk with me in that. You guys can come up here. We'll pray for this and continue. We got 
I was going to say the whole Schweitzer family, but I mean, sorry, Luke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Father, thank you for um, not only not only these servants in this in this building, but these little two who are in front of me, Father, who are, are getting built up in the way that you, you say to raise children. Um, and Father, it's all according to your will. It's all according to who you are. God, I thank you that you give us an example when you were in the garden of talking to God about what you had been asked to do. And Lord, you said, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass. But no, Father, your will be done, not mine. Your will. Lord, no matter how we think things should happen, from the day or from the start of the day to the end of the day, Lord, not my will, but yours. Not our will, but yours. And anything that is of our will, we want to repent from. So, Lord, as we step into this time, as we uh, get prepared for our offering, Lord, I pray that you would bless what gets put in there. Your will be done, not ours. Father, your scripture tells us very clearly that test me on this. Test me on this money issue and, and, and see if I don't bless you. Lord, we want your will and not ours. Bless what gets put in there. I pray that we give with a joyful heart as your word tells us to do so. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and pass that one. J-Bug, you can come over here, buddy. You can come over here. All right, let's go this way. Well, good. Um, as far as this personal revival goes, this repentance goes, I don't know if I have an administration for the end of this. Um, Beck, do you have anything? No? Um, what we're going to do is we're going to stand. We're going to stand to our feet. I'm going to jump back up on this piano. We're going to close. But we'll hear, here's, here's what I want to make available to us. Is this altar. That it doesn't necessarily have to happen up here. But what I will say is there's something about moving yourself geographically and then getting yourself into the right posture before the Lord. The right posture of heart is really what he's more concerned about. He could care less about your past. He could care less about what you bring to the table now that isn't of him. He cares about what you, where your heart is right now in the moment. Okay? He wants to know if you're willing to go deeper. So it might be that you come up here and you just confess to the Lord, I'm willing to go deeper and today's the day. And I need to repent of some things in order to do so. Let's let that uh, guide this time. Let's let that be the, the, the benediction for this morning. So if you could, just stand to your feet. Um, and if you feel as though you need to come up here and get before the Lord, go ahead. Nobody's going to mess with you. Nobody's going <coughs> to, excuse me, make fun of you for anything. <coughs> and if you do, I'm coming after you, all right? But I want you to know that this altar is open for an encounter with the Lord. You can encounter him anywhere. He is that big. Let's just be obedient this morning. 
Father, lead us in this time. In Jesus' name.